0: Hi there, and welcome to the Lovesick Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the word and loving the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Lovesick Scribe. I was listening to this message from a Bible study recently given by Steve Lawson, and he was going through the book of 1 John, or the letter of 1 John. One of the topics that was uh, discussed in a couple of the verses in the Bible study was abiding in the Word. And I began to really ponder on that. It was such a good Bible study I was listening to, and I wanted to find other things, other messages, other sermons that were ministered to, to look at that, because I wanted to focus more and more on an understanding about abiding in the word, abiding in Christ, and growing in that understanding. I came across this sermon given in 2011 by John Piper, and it was titled, If You Abide in My Word, You Are Truly My Disciples. And I'm going to post the link to it because it was really good. The, the content of what he was talking about, he was focusing on John 8:31, and he was going to talk about John 8:32 for the upcoming Easter service that year. And that verse is one that many of us know very well. We recognize John 8.32 probably more than we do John 8.31. But John 8.31 is what he quoted in the title of it. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. He talked about five different points, five different questions that he, um, as a minister of God, would address from John 8.31. Now, some of us that have been in, in corporate gatherings, we may not be accustomed to the expository preaching of one a sermon coming from one verse of scripture. But I want you to understand how there can be such richness that comes from this. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about this and I'm going to segue into something that I've heard before and you may have heard before. So this is all going to be tied together. And then I want to share some more scripture with you and just talk a little bit more about this subject. So John Piper, he talks about John 8, 31, and he begins to expound on the different areas of how we could understand this very verse of Scripture, this one verse. And Jesus spoke to those who believed. We see that in John 8, that in prior to this in John 8, 30, it says that when he ministered the words that he was ministering, and as he was saying these things, many believed in him. And so what he had said prior to that was, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as a Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. These words are what caused people, as He was saying these things, that many believed in Him. It goes on to say in verse 31 that Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in Him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Emphasizing the truly part. If you truly believe, what does that mean? And that should be kind of sobering or startling to us to understand that there are real disciples and there are unreal disciples. And I like that he used that term unreal disciples there because there are people that are going to be phony. They're not going to be true disciples. And we're going to We're going to know, and the Lord's going to know, who are his disciples as we go on just looking at this. He spoke of outward discipleship, and that which goes down to the root of a true disciple in Christ that... They are not just, it's not an outward thing, but it's an inward work that's taking place. And that's the work that God does in in the life of, of a person who truly believes in him and is truly his disciple. True disciples don't grow into that role that uh, they go on abiding in his word. This is what Piper was talking about. And he says, true disciples no longer remain in wrath, but rather the promise of eternal life. I want to read a little bit of his sermon because they transcribe it onto the site where I found it. So I listened to it. And then I noticed where they transcribe it. This one particular portion in here, he talks about being saved from sin. And he says this in this paragraph, he says, so a true disciple in John 8:31, which is truly my disciple in quotations is a true Christian, a true believer, his sins are truly forgiven. The wrath of God never again rests on him. He is true eternal life. He is one of Jesus's sheep. And no one can pluck him out of his hand. John 10, verse 29. He is no longer a slave, but a son of God. In verse 35 and 1 John 3, one of the references. He is the heir of 10,000 blessings that come to the children of the creator of the universe. That's what it means to be a true disciple, to be saved from sin rescued from the wrath of God, and already in the enjoyment of eternal life. Uh, Piper goes on to focus on the next portion of that verse, which would be my word, in in quotation marks, when Jesus says, uh, if you are truly my disciples, you will abide in my word. And it was... Based on Piper's understanding, when you look at this, it was the sum of all that Jesus had taught when Jesus says, if you abide in my word, it was not my words, plural, but it was my word. It was the sum of all that Jesus had taught. He goes to look at John 20, verse 31 during this time. In John 20, 31, John tells the people that are reading this letter, the purpose, Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, this is verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now this is where he begins to make this distinction between three different people that are listening as they're reading this passage of scripture, is that you have the unreal disciples, or you actually have unbelievers that are gonna read this, and he says, this is not just for unbelievers, but this is for those that do not believe, this is for those who are phony Christians, or fake Christians, or unreal disciples. And then this is also for those that are true disciples, to help them to understand and and to, to grow evermore in their faith in Christ and understanding that they truly do belong to the Lord because they are abiding in his word. And it all comes back to Christ. John twenty thirty one is really pointing back to all the different areas of who Jesus is in the gospel according to John, that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. It all points back to Christ that and that's the point. So Piper also links John 15:6 to this and many of us are also Familiar with John 15, 6, where Jesus is talking about that he is the vine and and His those who believe in him are the branches. John chapter 15, verse 6 tells us, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. And his word referring is referring to the sum of his teachings is what Piper says. It's summed up in himself, in Christ. And I thought that was a really interesting way to look at it because when you do think about that there is a correlation here that Jesus is saying if you abide in me if you abide in my word and we know Jesus is the word when we underst- when we're reading this that he makes that clear in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God Jesus was not a thought in the in the um, in the mind of God, he was in the beginning. This is what this means. He was there. He was the creator. Jesus Christ was not a thought. He was not spoken out into existence by God. He was there in the beginning. We see that we see over and over again the correlation of the the Trinity. We may not see that particular term in Scripture, but we can point to Scriptures over and over that are helping us to understand uh, one God, three persons, co-equal, co-eternal, and God in essence of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he points to this and and makes a note that Jesus is saying, you know, that if anyone does not abide in him, that branch is thrown away, and it withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. It was was just interesting listening to that sermon when he talked about his word referring to the sum of all his teachings, and it was summed up in himself. He made this quote and said, if you want to know Jesus, you know him through his word. I think that's something that we can really ponder on um, as we get into this topic of what the title of this episode is today. He goes on to focus on another area of this verse of abiding, what it means to abide, and it essentially Means to remain. Uh, there's no mystical meaning behind that or anything. It really it means to remain. Don't leave. And he talked about the different. There was bullet points in the sermon that are there are different points under abide focused on in that abide means not ceasing to be persuaded by its truth and never elevating any other truth above it abide means not ceasing to be attracted by its beauty and value and never seeing anything as more beautiful or more valuable or more attractive than the word and the lord it reveals abide means not ceasing to rest in its grace and power never turning away as though greater peace could be found anywhere else. Abide means never ceasing to eat and drink from the Word as the bread of heaven and living water, as if life could be sustained anywhere else. And abide means never ceasing to walk in the light of the Word as though any other light could show the secrets of life. This is what it means to be a true disciple. If you abide in my Word, you are truly my disciples. And the fact that Jesus puts the emphasis on abiding, remaining, gives the answer to the last question that he begins to ask. And the last question or the fifth question that he asks during the the, the expository preaching of this verse is, how are abiding in his word and truly being his disciple related to each other? And he talks about the mark of a true Christian is that we taste and stay. This is not the temporary tasting is what he called it in this sermon. But the the mark of a true Christian is one that abides. They taste and they stay because they understand. They, they have been given the understanding by God himself who Christ is and that they are to remain in him. That that eternal life is found through Him, and and they uh, part of the fellowship is to remain in His Word and to obey Him, to follow Him. That is part of us showing our love for God is that we obey what His commands are. He Jesus Himself said, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." So we follow Christ, and we are obeying what His Word says, not because. We are trying to stay in the good graces of God, or that we have to in order to obtain eternal life because eternal life has already been obtained by grace through faith in Christ alone. But we do good works because we were made for good works in order to glorify God. I want to read John chapter 6, verse 68. We're camping out in the Gospel of John a lot this morning. But this is all relevant to what we're talking about. So in John chapter six, verse sixty-eight, Simon Peter answered Jesus, and, and John six is a is a, a lengthy chapter, and Jesus is talking about the, uh, the he's the bread of life that, and he talks he's essentially describing communion through John six, and that in order to have eternal life, you have to eat his flesh and drink his blood and And that you'll live in doing that, and that this offended many people, and even some of the disciples, the people that were following jesus they um they began to leave and turn back and no longer walked with him and I think that that the argument could be made that those were unreal disciples. And um, so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? But in verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And this again helps us to see the importance of staying in the Word of God, understanding the words that Jesus said, they are revealed to us by scripture. We would not know who Christ is. We would not have heard the gospel without the Word of God, the written Word of God that we understand to be sufficient, that we understand to be the very uh, words that God spoke, that we can be confident in that because this is God-breathed Word. This is profitable for instruction, for correction, for rebuke, for training up in righteousness, according to 2 Timothy 3.16. This word is a more sure word of prophecy, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, where men were carried along by the Holy Spirit to write the scriptures, and they're like a lamp to our feet, and that we would do well to, to follow them is what Peter is telling the people there, and not to rely just on personal experiences, even though the experience he had was very real seeing the, the Mount of Transfiguration, but he points people back to the more sure word of prophecy, which is scripture, and that it was authored by the Holy Spirit through men that were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so we see that this is very important in abiding or remaining. And there was one final quote with John Piper that uh really stood out to me and I, I thought that was a, a sobering quote, and it also brought pause. He said, if you try to run after the Lord without running through this, which was the word, he held it up. He said, You will find someone else. And um As someone who came out of a a movement that it it does tend to heavily focus on personal experience and uh, really, if we really took an honest uh, inventory... Of when we hear someone, if they're ministering, and if the foundation that they're resting upon is, I had a dream, I had a vision, I had an open vision, or had an open trance, or I had an angel come visit me, or I found a feather in my home, or I had gold dust that came on me in this meeting, or, you know, it's all centered around what has happened to us in an external way or a supernatural way in that sense. And please understand, I know that you know, our experiences are not the foundation of truth that we rest upon and that that's one of the biggest things that I definitely try to get across in the the podcast that I do, the blog posts that I write whenever we're talking about supernatural experiences, those are not the foundation we rest upon. We're not commanded to have those in scripture. We are told that those things happened or that they would happen, but Those are not the foundations that we rest upon, and everything is to be tested, everything. Nothing is to, no stone is to be left unturned when it comes to things like that. We are never just to take it as at face value and to say, yep, that was definitely from the Lord, or, uh, you know, and run with it and use it as a foundation of teaching to build on extra biblical revelation. We are never told to do that. And we are never told to rely and trust in those things because our emotions, our perceptions of things, they can deceive us. But our foundation rests upon what the apostles and prophets built, according to Ephesians 2.20, the foundation of the word with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. He sets the, um, the direction of the house, which is the church, the body of Christ. And the foundation is laid once and the foundation has been laid for us through scripture and we can trust it it is sure it is certain it is truth and we are to abide in it now having said that and you know listening to steve lawson on this bible study which i would encourage you to check out that podcast if you're looking for a really good podcast on and a good solid bible teacher steve lawson is excellent every time i listen to that podcast it's called bible study i'm just encouraged and really enjoying just learning more and more about the Word of God. So find solid Bible teachers you can listen to. And um, this message from John Piper, it was really encouraging to me as far as listening to understanding what it means to abide in the Word and abide in Christ. In the process of listening to these two men minister this message and pondering in itself mainly on what this means to abide. And John 8, 32 has personally ministered to me in the sense of helping me to understand what true freedom in christ looks like And the knowing the truth and the truth will set you free. And the word of God has great freedom that it proclaims to us when we read it, when we're reading it in private, when we're hearing it in a corporate gathering, there is such freedom in Christ and freedom in in his word because of testifying of who he is and helping us, enriching us as believers in Christ to understand what it truly means to walk in freedom. And in the process of listening to these men minister, the thought came back to me of hearing individuals or maybe you've heard leaders before say, Things along this line, maybe they they could be berating people or they could be making a negative connotation in such a way that if others are uh, prolific in their, um, in their searching out in Scripture and their study of it in order to gain better understanding and grow in their maturity in Christ, grow in their fellowship with Christ, this statement may be made. Well, it isn't the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. And maybe you've heard that as well. And some may accuse others of worshiping the Bible, like bibliolatry, I think is the the term that is used, which is an interesting statement because I think the argument could be made that um, in the day and time that we're living in, and it's probably no different because the word tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. I'm sure there are many different points in history where people began to lift up and exalt their own personal experiences, and we know of people that are involved in the occult, In in the in, you know, in psychic readings and having tarot card readings and communicating with the dead and having those types of experiences, as I've said before, and I'll say again, this is why you cannot argue from personal experience when you're talking about spiritual things, because a person that's in the occult, an unbeliever who who is dabbling in these things and participating in this, a practicing witch, practicing warlock, regardless of what their confession is, they're They're not showing that they're abiding in the Word when they're not obeying what God's Word says to do. When someone is um, elevating their personal experience over the parameters set in Scripture to follow then we don't have a true disciple and the people that are unbelievers that are dabbling in the occult and the spiritual things that are really for, that are forbidden in scripture to participate in to not be part of those things to come out from among those things to flee from those things to destroy those things in the old testament to not participate because those things would lead to idolatry and that was rebellion and sin against god these people are having real experiences because of lawlessness that's abounding People would argue from this, whether it's their own, you know, personal feelings or personal experience, they're going to say, well, these things are real. But what we have to go back to is the word of God, interpreting everything through the word of God making sure that we're coming back to the foundation upon which we stand and that we're not creating this foundation that is going to cave in, that is like sinking sand, that is going to crumble underneath our feet when it all disappears and the truth comes to us through the word of God. You come to faith in Christ and you realize that the the foundation you need to rest upon is what is testified of, which is the gospel the, through and through the Bible testifies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, and and I guess the question that I would ask when I think about, when someone says, well, it's not the Father, Son, and the Holy Bible. You know, you're worshiping the Bible. It's, it's not that. It's Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, you know, you really need to put not put such an emphasis on Scripture. I guess a question I think that should be asked is why professing believers in Christ are offended by the proclamation of Scripture applied in context. I I just find that baffling now looking at it because I I know I used to be, I never said something like this, but I was on the border, I believe, of someone who would think this whenever someone quoted scripture or or asked the question, well, where is that in scripture? My immediate thought is, "Well, well, that is so religious. I cannot believe that they're even asking something like that. But that's being a disciple because the disciples, Jesus himself said, John 8, 31, to Jews, by the way, that at the end wanted to kill Jesus at the end of John 8, that they were ready to kill him by some of the things that he said, because he was equating himself as God. He said before, Abraham was, I am, ego ami. That is uh, referencing what, what, what was said to Abraham in the Old Testament. I am was standing before Abraham, and they realized what he was doing, and they went to pick up stones to throw it in, but Jesus hid himself out of the temple. That's what verse 59 ends with in John 8. So my question to someone that would say that is, and, and have such a problem with Scripture being referenced in context is, why are you offended by that? If you're a professing believer, what is the problem? Because we should be going back to Scripture. Uh, Romans ten seventeen tells us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. That is not a proof text, by the way. Of um, I heard that quite a bit in the Word of Faith movement along with what I was part of, that that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That is, it is said that you the power of your words and what you're saying. And that is not what that text is talking about. Actually, it's talking about salvation. When you look at that in context, when you back up the verse 14, it says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is talking about the gospel being preached and is talking about uh, leading unto salvation. That's the context of Romans ten seventeen, And this is focused again on remaining in the word, ministering the word of God. That's where the truth comes from. And there's this line of thought that those who spend time uh, studying the Word and understanding it more, or not fellowshipping with God, or the intimacy with Christ is severely lacking. You know, if you hear someone that's talking about Scripture, that and they're going into in depth in the in, in the study of it, and there are people that understand the Greek and Hebrew and they can help us in our understanding even more so. There is this tendency sometimes that there can be a shutdown, if you will, and people will say, well, you know, you're just not fellowshipping with God. All you care about is the Bible. It's again, it's that father, son, holy Bible mentality, and you're not really fellowshipping, but is that the case? And again, I I understand people can just memorize scripture. They can, you know, atheists can quote scripture. There are unbelievers that can quote scripture. There are people that have um, turned away from Christ that can quote scripture. There are people that study it just for academic purposes that they may just be studying it and there's not any true transformation within their hearts to where the word of God is written on their hearts. As Psalm one nineteen eleven says, I've written your word on my heart that I might not sin against you. I and mean, it's talking about God's instructions that we, again, that that's going to point to abiding in the word, the remaining in the word, having his word written on our heart. So it's called to our remembrance by the Holy Spirit to quicken us to follow the instructions of the Lord, because we love Him. And I, and I think that there's this falsehood, this false dichotomy that, well, if you're in the Bible all the time, then you just don't know God. If you are so concerned and so consumed, you're just a Pharisee. You're just, just like Jesus told them that you search the scriptures, go through the scriptures, looking for me, analyzing them. And painting this picture that someone who is spending time in the Word of God does not have fellowship with God. But that's not the that's not the problem. The problem is someone who is just looking through the scripture, but they don't know Christ. They're not recognized and that was the problem with the Pharisees, is that Jesus was saying, you search the scriptures looking for me, but it is the very word of God that testifies of me. I mean, you will not believe that was their problem too. I mean, Pharisees had several different problems and the biggest problem they had was that they had Jesus Christ in the flesh, truly God, truly man, right before them, fulfilling the Testament, uh, the, the prophecy of the old Testament, showing that he was the Messiah. And they continued to ask him, give us a sign. We want a sign. Well, you had some in front of you. You have the very word of God in the flesh in front of you. You have the second person of the Trinity in front of you, the Messiah, the one who is taking away the sins of the world, the Lamb of God who is to be slain. And he, they still could not see. And they fulfilled prophecy, for one thing. God used their, the hardness of their heart and their blindness to fulfill prophecy because Jesus was to be crucified. That was part of God's plan. You can read in Acts 2. When Peter's talking about it, I encourage you to read the, all of that Acts 2 and come to that point. It was foreordained. God knew that that was going to happen. They were fulfilling prophecy. So, this is why, this, this is one of the reasons why we need to abide in the word of God. We need to know what it says in context. I'm going to make that argument over and over again until my last breath that if we don't know what the word says, if we don't abide in the word, we will be led astray. We will be deceived. I fully agree with John Piper's statement, and I think it's a powerful statement. If you try to run after Jesus, and you are not running through His Word doing it, you will indeed find someone else. You will find another Christ that can't save you. He cannot save you if you're not going through the Word of God through the per, for the boundaries that have been set through the Word of God. There can be this false dichotomy of saying, "Well, uh, if you just spend you just spend all your time in the Word and studying it, that you don't have fellowship." Oh no, that's not actually that's not what the Word. That's not what we know scripture to to tell us because Jesus himself just told these people, if you abide in my word, if you remain it, if you don't leave it, if you stay in it, and that doesn't physically mean that you have your Bible open in front of you all the time and that you're so, that you are constantly having that physically before you in a natural sense and that you can't do your job or you can't take care of your kids or you can't take care of your home and you can't do the things that are glorifying the Lord, that is that is ministry, that is worship unto the Lord. You can't do these things. But this is remaining in him to where, and you're remaining in the word that it is within you, again, written on your heart that you you' you ponder on it throughout the day you're meditating on his word that you are drawing closer this is intimacy with christ this is you cannot um rest upon your personal experiences and in and of itself and say well i have intimacy with christ because i felt something because i experienced something no no the the filter that that goes through is through the word of god we cannot rely on our emotions, we don't rely on goosebumps, we don't rely on our feelings, we don't rely on experiences, the realness of a moment. We don't do that. We we go back to the richness, to the glory and the splendor that's testifying of Christ in the word. And it, it brings me back to this, to this thought as well of if we have this mentality, well, you know, you're just you just stay in the word, but you don't have real fellowship with God. You're just, you just don't, you don't really have the Holy Spirit by doing that. I don't think that if someone were to say that, that they really comprehend what they're saying because that's it's really giving a low view of Scripture. How can we have such a low view of Scripture if we believe that it is actually God speaking? You see what I'm saying here? Because when someone makes that statement of Father, Son, Holy Bible, you don't really know God, you just know what His Word says, truly being His disciples is abiding in His Word. And abiding also leads to following the instructions of His Word. And um, obeying God, glorifying him, testifying of him, uh, bearing fruit in keeping with repentance, the fruit of the spirit demonstrated in our lives because the Holy Spirit indwells us. And, you know, this could go on into other um, great topics to talk about that all bring us back to the word. It all brings us back to the word. And it, it seems concerning to me and perplexing. You know, these are personal thoughts that I have about this when I ponder these these messages or that when people say things like this, that it, it seems concerning and perplexing when professing believers take issue with reference to the foundation of our faith. Um, it, it's rather concerning when someone does not take issue with verses being spoken out of context. And uh, there are people, many people are okay with that. But when you go to say, well, actually, that's not what that verse means. This is this is who this uh, the writer was speaking to. This is what is um, applicable. This is what this means, and this is how we can apply it in our lives as believers and grow in faith and grow in wisdom and grow in understanding and grow in spiritual maturity it's interesting it's an interesting observation when you see people that get far they're very much offended by the fact that someone would dare to correct this extra biblical uh interpretation or extra biblical revelation but then there's almost like a pass or an accept an easy acceptance when it appeals to us when the interpretation um, the 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 uh, the eisegetical interpretation really appeals to our senses and it appeals to us. And it really, we feel like it ministers to us when we are to be ministering unto the Lord. And I, and again, I get, you know, we're going to be ministered to by God. We're going to be encouraged by the word. I get that. But we, he doesn't exist for us. We exist for him. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? The the focus can get off and and then we're not pointing back to Christ. Even if we have good intentions, even if we're sincere, there can still be um, a sincere wrong way, sincerely wrong way to understand, try to understand the word of God in this. And it's, it is a great concern when the words of fallible men abide more in people than God's written word. I, and no offense to going through and, and looking at what's on social media and seeing that people are really heavily, I mean, they're not, refer, they're not going back to what scripture says. They're relying on the words of people that are allegedly foretelling things. They're relying on the, um, the dreams and uh, interpretations and the, the extra biblical revelations of people, but if we were to sit down and really have a discussion and to study the word, I I wonder sometimes, and and I'm still growing in the word. Listen, I I don't know if I'm ever going to fully understand everything in the. I know I'm not because there's so much depth and richness to the Bible that I'm never going to fully understand everything in this in this world in this life. I'm not going to understand the Bible in its fullness, but I want to every day grow in that understanding and to in that understand that I'm growing in my fellow with God and I'm not going to put my Bible down because someone wants to say, well you're you just believe in the Father, Son and Holy Bible which that's not what I believe but I also believe that we are to honor the Word of God and just because uh, you or I put an emphasis on the Word of God does not mean that we're worshiping the Bible but we honor it and we reverence it as being the word of God. And it's testifying of my savior. And it helps me in my worship to the one that I love, who is Christ, who is my Lord and savior. And without that word, I don't fully understand the attributes of God. Without that word, I don't fully understand who Christ is. Without that word, I don't understand the gospel because the gospel is not my personal testimony. The gospel is not uh, what happened to me. The gospel is not, look how clean I am now. And, you know, this is how you can be too, even though testimonies are encouraging, as I've said other times before. But the gospel is testifying of Christ. And the gospel is only in the confines of scripture. That's where we go to, to teach the truth, to minister to the truth, people, to proclaim the truth. And we are to abide in this word. We are to remain in it. Uh, you know, another thing too, that's really kind of helped me and it's even convicted me personally, is uh, to recognize what is false, we must abide in the word. And we are to know him. And in doing so, we are to know his word better than we know the falsehood. You know, sometimes that we can get down this, this rabbit hole of, Looking into the fall and I've done this and there are times that I still find myself doing this and I do talk about things that are uh, extra biblical and they're not pointing back to scripture because I want to warn people. I want to point people back to the word of God and not put individuals on blast or to try to be disparaging or berating or anything like that. It's all to point back to Christ but having said that, I have even, you know, there's been times before that in my private time, and even on occasion from time to time, I'll find myself going down a rabbit hole and I'll find even more and more delusional teaching that's being perpetuated to people and it's being passed off as biblical Christianity and there's nothing biblical about it. And we can find ourselves knowing more about the falsehood than we than we meditate and ponder, and I don't mean meditate of emptying your mind, I mean chewing on and thinking about The word of god we can know a falsehood better than we know what the word says and we do want to understand falsehood so that way we can say well no actually the scripture says this and this is the truth and this exposes the falsehood for what it is and you need to go back to what the word of god says about about jesus about spiritual gifts or about uh, being filled with the holy spirit or you know Uh, the demonic or whatever it could be. Sanctification, justification, uh, walking in the ways of God about the gospel, uh, the Old Testament prophecy. um, You know, we could have a, a a huge list of topics that we could glean from from the word. Maybe that will be encouraging to some other people is that be sure that you're not just that you're not just pondering on the falsehood all the time and and simmering over it, (laughs) but that you are, are understanding the word more and more to where you're fellowshipping with the Lord by, through his word. And when a falsehood comes up, you, the word is within you so much because you abide in it that you can recognize it and you can help pull other people, snatch them out of that, out of that deception and not get bogged down in that falsehood. I hope I'm making sense with that. I'm not saying don't address falsehood. Obviously, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is don't make it all that you're all your focus because you you can get consumed very quickly in the falsehood, especially in this day and age, the technology we have available to us, all of us, myself included, can fall prey to that. We've, We've got to go back to the truth of the word and be encouraged and be built up, edified by the word of God. And to remain in that, and then when a falsehood arises, when its ugly head rears, then we can say, "Nope, this is what the Bible says about it," and and we're going to proclaim that and bring and bring people back to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I would be cautious. This is not a. This is just a gentle thing, a, a gentle nudge of consideration. It's not to warn you in a in a condemning like in a, in a way of pronouncing a curse on you or anything like that, I would just be cautious. I would be cautious when a person, even in the most subtle way, attempts to explain away intimacy or fellowship with Christ through knowing His Word. If someone is telling you that, but then they're, they're elevating their visions, their dreams, their personal experiences, they're elevating everything that personally happened to them. But then they're telling you, you know, these people are just so religious. All they do is they just stay in the word and they don't really know the word they don't or know God, they don't really have the Holy Spirit. You need to be real cautious when people are using language like that, because I'm just going to boldly say this, that is another tactic to shut down critical thinking. And that is cult like talk. If you're going to say something like that, then you are drawing men unto yourselves and you're not drawing men unto Christ. And if, again, I go back to, if you're a professing believer, why do you have a problem with the word of God in, in the proper context? And I've had to ask myself that too, you know, again, as someone who had that, kind of like that mindset that had that of what's the problem here? If you're, if you say that you profess Christ, there's no other way that you can know Christ, but through his word you must go through the word in order to know Christ and to abide in his word and to remain in it. Furthermore, so what's the problem? That shouldn't be a problem. If it's a problem, then we need to go back to 2 Corinthians 13, 5 to test ourselves and see if we are even in the faith. If we have, if we take issue with someone doing that, and we can see, and the fruit in their life has demonstrated that God is producing fruit in their life, that has tran- truly transformed them, and that they are glorifying and testifying of the true kingdom of God, of, of the of the true Lord and Savior. There's some scriptures I want to point you back to. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. It says, My little children, I am writing These things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Verse 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And in case you missed it, it talks about that we keep his commandments. We cannot know his commandments without abiding in his word. So again, it does point to the sum of his teachings, as Piper was talking about, and the sum of who Christ is. And it's all encompassed into one. You cannot have true intimacy with Christ, true fellowship with Christ, if you want to put it that way. Now, some people feel weird about saying intimacy with Christ, and it can get weird, uh, depending on how people are phrasing it. And unfortunately, there were things I said that really were not appropriate before if you want true fellowship had to have true fellowship with Christ, you must remain in the word of God. You must remain in the word of God. Not a word from the Lord that someone says is from the Lord and it's not from the Lord. The word of God, that is what we are to abide and remain in. 1 John chapter 2 verse 24 tells us, "Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father." First John chapter three, verse 24 tells us, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. And again, this is John, the apostle John that wrote first John, who also wrote the gospel according to John, that we were uh, camped out in for quite some time and looking at the the wonderful things that are stated in there and proclaimed, that are proclaimed in the word. First John chapter four, verses 13 through 15 say, by this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And so, and I would encourage you to understand the context of First John because um, when you when you look at the history of that, there was a lot of Gnosticism that was going on in the time of John, and John was addressing this. There were people that were um, fighting against the fact they may have been saying that the name of Jesus, but they were denying the incarnation of Christ for one thing, and um, so John was coming against that and uh, saying, making a distinction between people that acknowledge that you know, Jesus did come in the flesh, that he is Lord and Savior, that the Spirit of God abides in them. And so I would encourage you as well, just because people use the right verbiage, you need to test what they're saying. Um, because it, it may not be truly lining up with scripture. There are some people that that use the right verbiage, but they're they're not truly they're not truly believers. Um, there can be un, unreal disciples. That again, I, I enjoy I really like that that phrase that terminology that Piper used for that Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 encourages believers let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God Um, so again we have this this appearance here of abiding dwelling let the word of Christ dwell in you richly richly Um, and then we're to teach from there and admonish Uh, one another in all wisdom. You can't do that without abiding in the word, without dwelling richly in the word of Christ. It's so important that we do that. And again, you know, don't, don't let, if if you love studying the word of God and, and wanting to a deeper understanding of it, don't let someone say to you such things when you know that uh, that the fruit of your life is demonstrating that you are growing in Christ, growing in spiritual maturity, and that you are um, understanding greater fellowship with God more and more. You're growing in that fellowship. Don't you dare uh, ascribe to this Father, Son, Holy Bible no, that's not right. It's actually it is Father, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but the Scripture is important. This is God speaking, and I don't have I don't take issue with the Word of God, and we shouldn't, as Christians, we should not be taking issue with the Word of God. Uh, someone Psalm one nineteen verse eleven. I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, I love that passage. I encourage you to read Psalm one nineteen. It's the longest Psalm in the in the Bible. But it's so good. Uh, It's interesting to see all the references of your statutes, your commandments, your promises, your law, your word. um, How many times the psalmist says these things and is coming back to the word of God, coming back to, again, remaining in the word, understanding the word, storing up the word that I might not sin against you. Your, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path we are not going to know the way to walk if we don't abide in the word if we're not uh, if we're not understanding his word and remaining in his word and meditating on his word pondering on it chewing on it so to speak uh, metaphorically chewing on it to to know uh, the ways of God to understand his attributes to understand the ways in we should walk so that way we are glorifying God And that we we understand the truth to walk in. The truth will set you free. John 8, 32, that he did not, Piper did not focus on in this particular passage. But he says, Jesus goes on to say, after saying, if you truly are my disciples, you will abide in my word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It will set you free. I, and I'm going to leave with this for the last few minutes. And and, it's kind of ironic, you know, because you say, because, you know, saying, well, you shouldn't rely on personal experience. But what what has been said is you take your personal experience and it's filtered through the word of God. It all comes back to who God is and focusing on him. So let me ironically share (laughs) a personal uh, testimony, I guess, if you will, a personal um, observance even though it is a personal experience. Again, I go back to John 8, with the truth. Uh, you'll know the truth and truth will set you free. There have been passages of scripture when reading them. Yes, emotionally, I may, I may be moved when I hear them, but there is this understanding because the Holy Spirit will illuminate that word in the understanding of it and realizing true freedom in Christ. There have been pivotal moments where I've read through scripture as I was wanting to understand the Word better and understand what what I once held to and the beliefs and the, the movement that I was part of, unlearning things and, re- and coming back to the truth of the foundation of Scripture. There are Scriptures I can take you to that, um, yeah, there was a personal experience, if you will, but it was of this overwhelming understanding of joy, the joy of His salvation, of the truth of His Word that really set me free and understanding the liberty in Christ that I don't you know need to be looking for a demon after around every leaf and every bush that I don't need to fear uh, those things in this life. And then when I'm I'm weak, that it's not because I need to have inner healing or self-deliverance or anything like that. And when I say weak, I'm not just talking about sin. I'm talking about in the moments of weakness when the cares of this world can weigh us down. And understanding that i can come before the throne of grace with confidence and that i can come to god i can cast my cares on him because he cares for me and i can trust him even when i'm anxious that i return back to the word and i i think and i meditate on the word what does the word say about this when i'm anxious because paul was anxious about things so paul makes that clear that he was anxious but he continues to i think comfort himself and comfort those in philippi for example of going back to what the word tells it testifies of christ and and he reminds those you know what what does it mean i'm anxious right now what do i do with that well scripture says to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to make our requests known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding shall guard our our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now this is not some sort of incantation that we say and that (laughs) this is to meditate again. This is to go back and abiding in the word because the word has the answers to what we face in life and going back to that and saying, this is what the word says. And I, in my prayer time, I'm going to call this to my remembrance and ask God to help me help me with my anxious thoughts call my anxious thoughts Lord because I know what your word says and I trust you and your word says to be anxious for nothing and that I can come to you and I can make my petitions known and I'm to thank you in the midst of all that and I'm to ask for your peace to guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus to where even if I don't see with my natural eyes what I've asked for it doesn't change who you are I can take you to Galatians three thirteen. The moment when I realized that when I read that again and, and understanding I'm not under generational curses, um, the things that I've been taught about this are just not are simply not biblical. Christ is sufficient. If he's not sufficient, then in what he did, then his death was in vain. And we know his death was not in vain. There, there's so many areas. But one of the things that really hit me, this is the thing I want to share with you. And then we're going to then, then we're going to be done. Talking about personal uh, a personal area in my life, I, my husband and I were having a conversation this past Sunday after uh, going to church. I was sitting in the service, and there's times throughout the past year, a year and a half, that... I had been sitting in, in the corporate gathering. One of the things that usually happens at the beginning of our church service is that there's a, a reading from one of the elders from, it could be from the book of Psalms. Um, it could be uh, from anywhere in the passage of scripture. A lot of times it's from the book of Psalms, for example. I'll use that as an example. And there would be moments that I would sit there and it was the simple reading of the word, no hype, no setting of the atmosphere. And I'm not, please hear me. I'm not saying anything to d- demean people that are part of that because I, I, I understand I've, I was part of that. So please don't think that I'm trying to be demeaning in, in saying that. I'm just simply telling you there was no hype. There's no emotionalism. There's no um, shouting. Uh, there's no let's have specific lighting. Let's turn down the lights so we set an atmosphere. There's no fog machines. None of that. It was the simple reading of the Word of God out loud, and I found myself hearing the Word of God and listening to the words being said, understanding what that meant, and it was personally encouraging also, On uh, by the way, another facet, personally encouraging as a believer in Christ, and tears streaming down my face just sitting and listening to the word being proclaimed. And for a while I thought, what is wrong with me? <laughs> like it, This was in the the process of, of coming out of what we had been a part of. And mind you, it was almost as if I felt like I was exhausted. <laughs> I mean, there was uh, so much that could go on I could talk about, and there's lots of people that could relate to this. But feeling so exhausted and in the process of what happened to our family, and having to find another church to go to. And it took us a while to find somewhere to go. I had reached a point where I was literally in the vehicle crying at times before we are where we are now. And I would be in the vehicle crying in front of my husband. We would leave certain church services and at the place that I was in spiritually and wanting to understand the word better because I felt like I had been spiritually starved. It not understanding the word better, I wanted to understand the word of God better than before I walked in to the corporate gathering. If that makes sense, and I was leaving with this frustration, there was no satisfaction. It was, you know, and I and I realized that that there was a problem, and you know, I was part of the problem because I I was not understanding the word, and I but I desired that I wanted to understand the word better to know how to glorify God according to what Scripture says, and so. We, I've been sitting in these services, and honestly, I mean, just like I said, just hearing the word, just to be read. Moments in in communion of hearing the different scriptures read read aloud, and sitting there, receiving communion, and remembering what Christ did and His body that was broken and His blood that was shed, and thanking Him for cleansing me and for the promise of eternal life and the hope that there is in. In remembering what he did on the cross and in his resurrection. But hearing that, hearing the word of God read and taught, and then the Sunday I was listening to the service, sitting there, just pondering on the service of what was being said and um, focusing on the different passages of scripture and about, you know, being before God, Coram Deo. It was one of the, it was the focus of uh, it's a Latin phrase, but focusing on being before the Lord and what that means to be in his presence and looking at Psalm fifty-six thirteen, and looking at John 8, 12, and there were passages that our pastor went to and there were things that hit me while I was sitting in the seat and I'm going, this is, this is bringing more freedom. But when I say bringing more freedom, not that Christ is not sufficient in what he did. His word was continuing, is continuing to be illuminated to me as a believer and I hope to you as a believer to where it continues to shed more light on the freedom that is there in Christ alone and what he did and that there is, there is liberty where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty when we, if we go to understand that passage better, there is freedom in Christ. When we begin to have the word illuminated to us and the Holy spirit is the only one that can illuminate that word to us. And because he authored it through these, through these men that were carried along, but understanding the the true freedom in Christ, and then the the shackles of of uh, extra biblical teaching or um, these oral traditions that are passed down, these man made traditions that are really not that are not agreeing with the Word of God, begin to just fall off metaphorically, and then you begin to understand. Wow, this, there's freedom in Christ, and I have peace with God, and I have joy. I mean, there's it's not just an emotion or me laughing or rolling, you know, having a physical manifestation. It is this joy in the Lord. And then even in times of trial and trouble and not being a robot and still going through those moments where there can be difficulties or hardships or setbacks at times, but still in private time, coming to the Lord and finding a reason, understanding there's a reason to be thankful every day day. Every moment of our day, we can have a reason to be thankful, to, to praise him, to come to him in our brokenness, to rest in him, to trust in him, to, to rest in that joy we have in him, the peace of God that we have to be at peace with God. There was moments for years that there was no peace because of this striving and all of these things that were swirling around and but just resting in that peace. And I told my husband after the service this Sunday there the the understanding of the word and and um, then a, a time of prayer at the end where people were praying for what was going on in Ukraine and um uh, being given opportunities, there were different prayer points that were called out and people were given the opportunity just to stand up or to stay in their seat and just to, um, in within the congregation, to begin to pray and that we were um, agreeing together as believers for different things and asking God and petitioning God. I came, I was so overwhelmed when I came out of there and I was talking with him about it and Um, God forgive me, there were moments in years past when the movement that I was part of, I entertained conversation and I entertained rhetoric that was said. And I was so ignorant because I was just agreeing with what was said. And I did not know because I had not, I didn't know what these other churches were saying or what they were ministering. But there is this tendency, can be this tendency among some, I won't say all, but among some, who will make the the distinction? And they'll say, "Well, those people are dead. They don't have the spirit of God because they're the because they're the church is not moving like our church does, because they don't have the manifestations we do. It's just dead. I mean, they're just reading the word, and there's there's no life there, and there's no power of God there. And again, you know, this this could fall under experience, but it all goes back to scripture. You're not going to convince me that that the spirit of God was not in that." And it wasn't had nothing to do with the tears that I've or how I felt or anything. It was the the revealing of the word of God, the understanding of it, the the power of his word, the truth of his word that brings freedom and liberty in him to walk in the ways that he instructs us to walk and to glorify him in word and deed and all that we do and exalting the name of Christ and pointing back to him and understanding that prayer is, is asking him and petitioning him and trusting him and, and exalting him in those situations to know that He is, he's sovereign and that, that we, we can trust God and that we praise him when we see there are things that, that he's answering with a yes and that we still praise him when there's a no and a not yet because the outcome doesn't change who he is. He's still faithful. He's still God. He's still omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He is still holy. He is still good. He is still just. He's still righteous. He is still mighty. And he is always worthy of glory and adoration. And I want to encourage you today. You need to um, abide in the word. Not because I say that. It's because God instructs us and commands us in the word. We are to abide. That is how we know that we are truly his disciples that we abide in his word you will know the truth and the truth will set you free because of who God is and what he testifies of in his word and his word is powerful dear friend dear believer don't believe the whole this rhetoric of the father the son the holy bible yes, the father, son, and Holy spirit. And we stay in the word. We abide in the word. We remain in the word. We are built up and edified by the word. We are encouraged by the word and we proclaim the word because it is the truth. So I hope that this has blessed you today. I hope that this encourages you. Let's remain in the word and abide in the word as true disciples of Christ and bear fruit in in, in glorifying him in all that we do. Be blessed today by this word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the word and loving the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.